listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hello, everyone. Daniel Prince here, uh, here for the Hawks Insiders weekly player review podcast, this time post the uh, defeat to the Western Bulldogs. Uh, the Hawks went down 9-11-65 to the Western Bulldogs, 14-10-94 in a spirited, but ultimately um, display that the Hawks came, saw the Hawks come up short uh, and probably just lack a little bit of experience and, and match play uh, through the second half where the goals and the run dried up a little bit. Uh, we're going to pick this one apart, just the two of us today, with my co-host, Darren Levine. Darren, how are you, mate? Hey, Danny. Um, yeah, three honourable losses in a, in a row, and I'll take that. I thought the first half was really, really entertaining and and just showed what that team is actually capable of and just love how they're rotating plays through um, week on week, and it, it's it's just it's feeling pretty good, especially when you look at um, some of the other cellar dwellers and, and their performances over the weekend. So I think we've got a lot to be happy about. We're recording this on Sunday night, so post all re- results finalised for the AFL, and I think Darren, your comment there is absolutely spot on. The result was good even on Saturday night, if we'd recorded this on Saturday night, but seeing, you know, the Roos get absolutely pummeled um, and the Eagles get smashed and, you know, some of these other results of teams that are supposed to be really going for it and we're the tanking team. Um, I think you're, you're, you're spot on. It, it makes, it makes you feel really positive um, in regards to the future. And then if anybody watched a bit of Box Hill today as well, you would have seen a few more. They lost to the Casey Demons by 30-odd points, but you would have seen a few more signs as well that the depth is starting to be built out. Connor McDonald playing midfield minutes in his first Box Hill game for the year, maybe ever. Second. He, play? he played one last year, did he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then Cam McKenzie making his uh, VFL debut five, six rounds after he made his AFL debut. Um, and both of those guys and Lloyd Meek had very good games. So I think there's a, there's plenty to be excited about, I think. Oh, absolutely. And we've got competition for places and there's no surprise that those guys are putting their hands up and and, and showing um, that they that they want to get back into into the first and, and, and really, you know, with a point approved. So it's, it's, it's a pretty healthy, um, situation that we've got um with with you know five at least five players sort of putting their hand up next week and it's going to be really interesting to see what sammy does at the selection table absolutely we'll get into the players individually uh and we'll we'll go one one to one um but just a, a bit of an over overview the hawks um led it at, at uh, quarter time led at half time uh and then a just got overrun late in the third and then in the fourth, it was a bit like the damn wall had broken a little bit. There wasn't that huge run of goals like there was previously um, in, in games against the Swans and the, and the Bombers and and the Cats. But, um, but yeah, the, the competitiveness and I think the great signs we saw from um, our midfielders again with the reintroduction of the Hawks Insider Zone, Will Day, uh, and also the return of Mitch Lewis uh, really straightened the Hawks up in attack, especially early on, I think, um, when Lewis probably had the tank to keep going. And I think that probably just the lack of match fitness probably slowed him and then we lost that sort of target. Would that be fair, Des? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I think I, I put a tweet out early on in the game when Mitch Lewis is clunking everything that was sent his way, you know, is Mitch Lewis the most, our most important player. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of important players in that midfield and, and a lot of people that, uh, that sort of keep uh, the sort of barometer of the side in Jai and Will Day and even Jars this year, James Walpole, but Mitch Lewis just changes the, the full dynamic of our side and, um, it's really it's it's wonderful to see him back and to get through that game unscathed. I think is the main thing. Massive, yeah. Let's get into it because uh, we'll have plenty of opportunities to wax lyrically about Mitch Lewis 
very shortly. Uh, but Harry Morrison, uh, number one, we're going in uh, numerical order as we do here on the Hawks Insiders Player Review Pod. Um, Harry Morrison had 18 disposals, 11 and seven. He had six marks, three tackles. He kicked a point. Um, he was uh, predominantly or sort of split uh, 53-47 in terms of defensive to offensive um, half. He had 72% disposal efficiency, five turnovers, um, but he did, I believe he did have a uh, goal assist and five score involvements. Does uh, your thoughts on Harry Morrison this week? Yeah, I think the goal assist was that um, it was a really good delivery into Ford 50 to give Will Day maybe a shot on goal in that second quarter. Um, you know, that's the best of Harry, the worst of Harry. There were at least two really, really poor turnovers. Um, one, I think, had a, a really crucial part of the game where it was, it was a maybe a two-on-one and he kicked it to the Bulldogs player, split the difference. So... Uh, I suspect if he continues on that path, and I think he's probably got another game maybe um, before him, you know, to prove himself uh, before he goes back into the VFL um, because there's a lot of players, especially in that position, knocking on the door. So, uh, yeah, it it was a pretty disappointing game for Harry, I thought, just in terms of those really crucial turnovers and uh, really needed that senior leadership and a senior head and, um, we didn't really get it from him today, so I'm going to give him a a, a five. Absolutely. Uh, so the next one, the man of the moment, Mitch Lewis, um, one goal, four behinds, and and but that really doesn't tell the story of his his day. He had 16 disposals, 11 marks, three contested, and five marks inside 50. It was it was such a dominant performance, wasn't it, Danny? Hugely so. And um, just just a reminder of, um, and we touched on it, you mentioned it earlier before, Daz, but he, that he absolutely is our most important player. If not for any other reason, then we have nobody else that can do what he did in that first half. Um, and, um, you know, it led it led to um, Robbo's take in the Herald Sun saying um, that Lewis's aerial supremacy on Saturday was Carey, Brereton, and Kernahan like, um, and and he, that he clearly didn't get the memo by pushed by some in the media um, that the Hawks were tanking. So he he completely changed Hawthorne's forward setup. Um, it was interesting that Green had a bit of a dirty day, Fergus Green, and we'll get onto him later. But uh, I actually think long term he'll be one of the ones that benefits the most from Mitch Lewis, just taking a bit of that pressure off the other forwards. But just giving that, you know, just sub two hundred centimeter marking presence. Who and he was one grabbing everything. Yeah, he was. Um, he was incredibly impressive and. I think it was nine nine marks to half time. He clearly he clearly tired. Both he tired in the second half, and our delivery and run and drive dried up in the second half, which makes it very hard for for key forwards. But um, if he had his kicking boots on, that if that's four one and not one four, we probably win that game. And we're talking about it as one of the great comeback games from injury that we've seen in a long time. I give you, I still give him an eight eight out of ten. And you know, if he kicks four one, that's a almost a ten out of ten performance. Oh, absolutely. You can't really blame him for having a bit of rust um, over so long out. Now, on to player number three, Jai Newcomb, um, a favourite of both yours and mine, Does He had 24 touches, six kicks only, 18 handballs. It was a bit of a handball-happy game for the Hawks. Two of his six kicks were goals, though, Daz, uh, which is nice for a midfielder at Hawthorne to get multiple goals in a game. That doesn't happen very often. Um 19 of his 24 disposals were contested. I think that's that's a, a really big um, stat. He had two turnovers and seven score involvements. What did you make of Jai's game uh, on the weekend? Yeah, it was, it was a pretty um, bullish game from Jai, very physical. Um, there were moments there when he was just – the strength of Jai was just in full, in full flow. He was shrugging off tackles and bursting away from, from packs and – just showing his physicality. He's becoming very clinical in front of goal to um, a really reliable player that I think just seizes the moment. Um, and it's always very healthy when you've got midfielders um, kicking goals from, um, you know, slot, slotting goals from 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 midfield and 
um, and really, you know, um, impacting the scoreboard. So it was it was another really solid game from Jai and a big reason why our midfield just seemed to dominate, especially in that first half. Uh, and a rating from you? Um, I'm going to give Jai a seven and a half. Uh, so moving on to my personal favourite, and I don't get to talk him, about him this week, so I'm going to uh, put that uh, pass that pleasure on to you, Danny. Jarman MP, 22 touches, uh, 68% disposal efficiency. So maybe a bit sloppier than he's been over the, the past few weeks. 460-odd uh, metres gained. 12 pressure acts, which I thought was um, just, just a measure of how hard he worked and, and a clearance as well. I actually, um, despite the five turnovers that he did have this week, which, like you said, brought down his disposal efficiency, um, which has been incredibly high this year, um, I thought he was super important. Um, his run, his carry, and I think the... If you have a look at like he he had a he had a goal uh, he had a couple of score he had four score involvements off the halfback flank and a lot of them were um, you know breaking away from that halfback flank and collecting the center clearance as as a Nash or a Warpole or a or a, um, a Newcomb won it and I think that's super important because there aren't well CJ's not doing that this year so far Bramble's not in the team. Um, and there's not a lot of real sort of drive and dash off that halfback flank, which last year was a real weapon for the Hawks. So um, Impey's doing it and he's doing it really well. Um, and you saw how important it was too. Um, you know, if if those halfback flanks aren't tracked a little bit like Jason Johannesson wasn't by um, Chad Wingard, you know, they can get off the leash and set up goals or kick goals themselves. And um, I thought Jars had a, a really positive game again. I thought, like you said, he wasn't as clean as he normally is, but I still give him a seven out of 10. Yeah, his ability to burst away from... from um stoppages or um, out out of really tight situations, I think has been a real strength of his this year. And it's it's just incredible. To, I, I thought he had lost that that kind of yard of pace. I think but he so, had, to be honest, yeah. as, since he came back from his knee, Rico. But this year, it's a different Jarman Impey. Yeah, absolutely. It's pre-Rico Jarman Impey. So, yeah. Welcome back. Uh, welcome back, Jars. Yeah. And you are a favourite of the Hawks Insiders. Um, moving on to uh, James Warple, the reborn, speaking of reborn players, the reborn James Warple, who just is absolutely flourishing without Tom Mitchell and Jagger O'Meara cramping his style. He had 25 disposals. Uh, he kicked a fantastic um, banana goal from the boundary. Uh, he had five marks, four tackles, 14 contested disposals. He did have... Um, he had six turnovers um, and went at 64%, but we kind of half expect that with warps because of where he gets the ball and how he gets it. Uh, but I thought it was another um, really important uh, game from warps. He had the eight clearances, three of those from the center. What were your thoughts, Daz? Yeah, well, I, I guess our clearance dominance, you know, is, a lot of it is to do with Warple and, and he was really the clearance king, especially in that first half that, awesome banana goal would have given him a lot of confidence in the first quarter. Um, you know, when he's, when he's slotting goals like that, he, we know he's a confidence player and he would have taken a lot out of that. I don't know what Tom Mitchell, the presence of Tom Mitchell did to him, but Honestly. he's just, even when Tom Mitchell wasn't being played in the middle of the ground, it just, the presence of Tom Mitchell must've just didn't want him, him around the football club. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what was going on there and maybe we'll hear it um, after his career, but um, he's, yeah, he, he's another reborn player and, and back to PCM um, uh, form, which is just terrific to see. And he's get what I'm really liking about warps is he's developing a really good understanding with Ned Reeves too. So there are a lot of moments when he's reading the ball beautifully off Reeves' hands and there's a great chain of play in the second quarter where I think he was involved in 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 a goal to Bruce. Um, it was, you know, Reeves' beautiful tap down, tap down to Warps to Day and Impey was involved in well and was, as well. And it's just probably the one of the great passages of play on the day and um, he's just reading it off beautifully off Reeves' hands. So long may that continue. And uh, your ranking for him? I always forget to do the ranking. Um, I'm going to give... Sorry, the talk's the most <laughs> important part. Yeah, I'm going to give uh, Warps. I thought it was a super game, so I'm going to give him uh, a seven and a half. 
Uh, the captain, James Sicily, one absolutely incredible goal. Just What a kick. How can you just kick it like that outside 50s? Just superhuman at times. Yeah. Uh, 26 disposals, 550 metres gained, eight intercepts, six marks, um, 85% disposal efficiency. I really loved his game. What about you, Danny? Yeah, and I really I agree with everything you said. I, I really enjoyed his game. The goal was superhuman. It was really important. Um, and we we love the cis celebration. It was a low key cis celebration comparatively to to normal. There was no finger pointing or anything like that. But what probably made his game even more impressive this week was that he was playing a key key position again. The Hawks, Mitchell and and his coaching staff have asked James to play key position. And look, that's not how I'd like to see him used. Um, but because normally I'd say it limits his impact with ball in hand, but he's still at it 26 times. He finds the ball like a midfielder, even when he's playing as a key position um, backman. Look, he got, he got beaten him and Frost and, um, and Weddle played fairly well until the midfields of the dogs kind of took over and got some free, easy, um, easy ball into, to the big boys, but the midfield and the forward key forward targets are the Western Bulldogs one would. And I think, you know, other, if, if Mitch Lewis kicks straight, then it balances out the Aaron Norton effect. So um, look for sis personally, I think um, he was really good again. I give him a seven and a half out of 10. Um, another person whose game I thought was uh, mightily impressive was the largest man on Hawthorne's list, the largest man to ever play for the Hawthorne Footy Club, Ned Reeves. Um, 15 disposals, which is a huge um, increase on previous games, six tackles, um, an absolute monster amount of hitouts, 43 hitouts for the big noodle, um, and uh, a really competitive um, game against one of the probably the premier ruckman in the competition so far this year does yeah it was, it was a big test for reeves wasn't it and i thought he really rose to the challenge that first first half i thought he was a dominant ruckman on the ground he's getting his hands he was taking some marks he's getting his hands to everything his palm work his, his connection as i said before with warpool is is is, is really becoming uh super important to us and the reason why we're doing so well as a midfield unit. So I thought it was a, a and he's, he's, he's coming back into form. He must've got a, a rocket uh, a few weeks ago. And um, I, th I think he was read the riot act. I think Ash had a bit of intel there, but yeah, it's, it's great to see him sort of flourishing again and, and, and taking those steps in his development. I think there were times where he was beaten um, across the ground by English and sometimes English's physicality and marking ability um, sort of overwhelmed him and his and his work rate, uh, especially in that second half. But it was a really solid game from Ned. Um, somebody give him a seven. Also, just one thing on Ned before you move on to the next one. He had, he played a hundred of one hundred and twenty minutes. I don't reckon he'd do that very often. Um, so that's no. a step in the right direction too. Yeah, building the tank, which is you know just a, a credit to to Peter Burge and and this the sort of off season work that's been, that's been happening at the Hawks so yeah it's it's great to see and he'll continue to 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 kind of build his endurance as the year goes on i think as well sam frost thought he was uh, he 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 was really up against it with um that bulldogs in enormous forward line uh 20 disposals 70% disposal efficiency Seven marks, uh, 346 metres gained. I think there were some really impressive spoils in there. What did you reckon uh, about his game, Danny? Yeah, I I, um, I was actually going to ask you that question because I can't work out whether that was a good Frost game, a bad Frost game, or just a, a non-Frost game. It didn't feel like oh, he had 20 touches. I don't remember him having 20 touches. So, um, and I watched this back again. So yeah, look, um, he predominantly played on Aaron Norton and Aaron Norton in the end got the better of him. Um, so he he's not going to get a high score from me, but I didn't think he was bad. Um, early on, I thought he took a couple of good intercept marks and, um, you know, he, he's physical, he's a competitor, he's a competitive beast. Um, and, you know, I think... When he's playing like this, you can understand why he gets a game ahead of somebody like Denver Granger Barras. Um, but look, 
six and a half out of ten for me. I thought he was okay. I thought he was better than better than um a pass. Uh, but he was obviously still had four kicked on him. Yeah, and I think you know what for me the moment that summed up the game for Frost was the first quarter, and he did this incredible, um, outstanding spoil on lob. I think it was just kind of just absolutely bursting out of his position to to make that play, and then he totally messed up the kick. So live by frostball or die by frostball. We'll say that every single week pretty much until he retires. Absolutely. Um, yep. Uh, Moving on to CJ, Chankwath GF. He had just the 15 disposals, um, four marks. Uh, he had two turnovers and um, went at 80% disposal efficiency. A little bit of a... A backward step, I would suggest, maybe for CJ this week. It was it was a quiet one for him. Yeah, and he's been. I've been a, a big defender of him the past few weeks. I think when when you know you, you, he's been under under the cost a little bit from supporters, and um, you know I think people just want to see that explosive CJ off the half back at that, those dashing runs, and we're just not getting a lot of that. We're getting a very workman like CJ and a hard working. Um, one percenter CJ, and I think it, it feels like we're being robbed of the electric CJ. There's calls, you know, from 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 people on our WhatsApp, Brad, um, to to move him up on the wing, and you know, maybe maybe he does need to 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 be moved out of that sort of accountable half half back role um, where he's playing a, a very very defensive game at the moment. Maybe he does maybe he should be given a bit bit more license to. To really impact um, the scoreboard and and get involved in in in, in some Ford fifty deliveries, but he's just yeah he, he's playing a, a very kind of workmanlike game at the moment, and it's not really what we want from CJ, is it? No, I I agree with you, and he and he has this like positive chaos about it how he plays when he's playing well. You know that run, that carry, that sort of um, electricity uh, that he plays with, um, maybe. And look, I'm purely speculating, but maybe they thought without that marking target to kick to with his long bombs forward, it would it would not be beneficial to the team on the rebound uh, if that sort of run and gun approach was happening. So they needed to sort of limit the amount of offensive work he was doing. I I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just making stuff up. But um, but it would make sense. Uh, it would be very interesting to see. Or what I'm trying to get at. It would be very interesting to see. Is if the offensive work starts being a little bit more prominent in the next couple of weeks as Mitch Lewis establishes his place back in the team? Yeah, it's it's a it's a good theory. Um, I personally hope it does because I think that's obviously when he's at his best. But you, you know, you, you you can't really fault how hard he's working at the moment. Maybe maybe sometimes you're kind of guilty of of, of trying a bit too hard and. And trying to trying to do too many things, but he, he's doing the little things well, and um, you know he, he's actually becoming really important to the structure of our of our team and and, and the stability of that backline. So I'm going to give CJ a, a six. Carl Amon settling in really nicely. Um, a, another pretty solid showing. 18 disposals, 61% disposal efficiency, 16 pressure acts. He worked. Super hard, hard, I thought, um, and 460 metres gained. What do you reckon, Danny? Yeah, another solid game by Carlin and, and proving to be week in, week out to be our premier wingman. Um, I think he uses the ball really well, even though he takes on more dangerous kicks than most of the other most other players in our team. So um, you've got a high degree of difficulty with a lot of the kicks that he takes. He'll take the... 50 metre on a 45 degree angle kick into the middle from the wing type kick. Um, and those ones can backfire. And when they backfire, they can backfire spectacularly. Um, and he'll he'll take them on because he backs himself in and the, the football club allows him to do that. Um, this wasn't a game where he really massively caught the eye other than the fact that I think he did his job. Um, it's harder to play on the wing at Marvel. I think it's not as open and expansive as the MCG. Um, next week, I think we'll really see a big, uh, Carl Amon game over at, um, 
uh, what is it called? Optus Stadium over in Perth uh, with the huge wings there. Um, but look, he's going to get a six out of 10 from me. And I thought um, I thought he was pretty solid, pretty solid. Uh, not spectacular, but pretty good. Uh, Connor Nash uh, started the game fantastically well, finished with 26 touches, only four kicks from his 26 touches. So 22 handballs for, for the big Irishman. Um Started on Bont and really worked him over in the first sort of quarter and a bit. And then Bont started to show why he's one of the best players in the comp. Um, but another solid outing from Connor and another sort of tick in the box of Connor Nash is a, is a legitimate AFL footballer does. Oh, absolutely. And the flexibility of allowing Nash to to d- do a job on the Bont and then, you know, you- Get a free, you know, get get more of a free roll later on in the game. I think that that really is is why he's in the side as opposed to Finn McInnes, who can just pretty much play that that pure tagging role and little else. So he offers us so much flexibility. He's a different dynamic in that midfield, and again, a big reason why why we're sort of um, improving so much as a midfield unit. Um, I don't know how many clearances he he got, and I think it was a very different role. For him this week, um, in terms of you know a, a more defensive role, a couple of clearances. So, yeah, it's um, he's he's just continuing on his merry way, and um, just just super impressed with how he's become a fixture in the side. Because I think at the start of the year, a lot of us were having him kind of in and out of the side um, as we kind of developed that midfield unit with some young young kids coming in and Connor Mc, in um, Connor McDonald and McKenzie and and Ward and all those others sort of staking their claims. So it's a real credit to him that he's established himself as a fixture in that midfield unit. Yeah, uh, abso- absolutely. Um, will Day. Game high, 30 touches, 70%, 25 pressure acts, seven clearances, 12 contested possessions. Uh, it was uh, a welcome comeback for Will. What did you think, Danny? Well, I think I think when you miss two games from suspension, and clearly we we spoke to him and on the Hawks insiders while he was out out with suspension, and and he said he was chomping at the bit to get back. This is absolutely proof of that, and this is absolutely proof that this man is becoming an elite elite AFL midfielder to come back after no football for two weeks, lead your team in disposals lead your team in pressure acts and be one of one of the better midfielders in in the game is is a phenomenal effort he kicked a goal which we've been wanting to see from him he had seven clearances um and you know he was i i, I mean i think for for me he was our best player and um and i don't know i just thought i just thought this is this is a man that's really establishing himself as an elite AFL footballer. And I think you can, you're starting to hear it from the commentators as well. I watched this game at home on my couch and um, the commentators were effusive in their praise of Will Day. And I think we're only going to start to see that more and more and more. Um, I give him an eight and a half out of 10 and I thought he was top shelf. Yeah, it was a terrific game, wasn't it? And I agree on on the commentators. I think they are really starting to, to pay attention to his game and, you know the way Cooley but went back and slaughtered that goal too. He he's he's really taken on the the kind of mantle of being our our star midfielder and um, yeah, it's it's just so great to see him back in the side doing what he does best. Yeah, and I think you just look at it and you go, imagine him after fifty games and like twenty of twenty twenty five of those in the midfield working his way through tags and various situations and scenarios he's going to face it's it's an ex- exciting prospect and a scary one for for opposition i think now uh dylan moore and daz i'm really glad that you've got dylan moore and i don't um i'm really interested to hear your thoughts on on more he had another bit of a down game he had uh 15 touches um 22 pressure acts which we love from from more he he kicked a point uh, and that point was disappointing point. I think that's a ga- a goal we think um, Dylan Moore, who loves a goal, noted a goal lover, will, would kick sort of nine out of ten times. Um, where's Moore at? Is he is he struggling? Um, does he need a spell? Um, do we just need to have a little bit of patience? Where do you sit with all of that, Daz? Yeah, I've been pretty disappointed with um, Dill. I think I think 
similar to CJ, it's just we just know what he's capable of. Capable of. He's so such a damaging player when he's when he's on form. I think he's another one who's kind of trying maybe a bit too hard, um, and he he looks a bit lost out there on the the wing. I think he played sort of mostly on 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 a sort of wing high half forward and didn't really impact the game much. But there were a lot of things he did too off the ball that I think goes unnoticed. A lot of pressure acts again. And, you know, th- there's a reason why we've improved over the past few weeks and it's it's the pressure gauge and the fact that we've gone from a, a really poor pressure team to an elite pressure team. Um, uh, Dylan Moore is a big part of that. So there's a lot of stuff that he does off the ball that I think goes unnoticed because we're used to him kicking goals and we're used to him getting involved in really da- damaging and, and, and aggressive um, moves and handball chains and score involvements. And, you know, when, when he brings that back into his game, then then it's the full Dylan Moore experience. But at the moment, we're seeing a very workmanlike, hardworking Dylan Moore. And I just want to see him be a bit more damaging. So similar to CJ, um, I'm going to give him a five and a half, I reckon. Are you concerned or do you think it'll come? No, I'm a bit concerned. Danny, yeah. if I'm being honest. I, yeah, because I think at the end of last year, we thought CJ and 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 Dylan Moore were ready to explode, right? And Dylan Moore was rated as elite by champion data, much to Kane Corns' um, frustration. But he was ready to take that next step and become one of the best small, small forwards in the comp. And he just hasn't got out of second gear. I think at the back of the, your mind, you always wonder, you, you always think about these these kind of, very very high very very low draft picks that that kind of surprise everyone and play out of their skin and you just wonder when you know the the you know their real skills are gonna kind of come through and uh you know you just you just wonder maybe that's the D- dylan moore's hit his peak and i know it's, it's ridiculous to say that for a player that's you know not 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 very far along his his afl journey but um, maybe maybe this this is as best as it'll get for for Dilmore. Uh, maybe he doesn't have another level. So I know that could be premature, but um, it'll be interesting to see how the next few weeks play out and whether he he goes back to to Box Hill to 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 get some form because it's been a happy hunting ground for him, Box Hill City Oval. So may, maybe he needs to do that. Uh, Jack Scrimshaw, I think it's, you know, uh, a real quick, quick one for you, Danny. I think he spent how, how long? Quarter and a half on, on the ground. Uh, 10 disposals, three marks, 200 uh, odd meters gained. Um, what, what's the deal with scrimmers? Do, do, I mean, has anyone even asked Sammy? Cause I'm just scratching my head. i I feel like he's a, you know, a very important cog in our back line and important to our structure. Is he injured? Is he out of form? I, yes. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one. I mean, they said that he's battling turf toe, um, but I think you're either fit enough to play or you're not, right? So, um, you know, coming as a sub, and I can understand using players as a sub like we have with our younger players to manage their, their workloads and, you know, giving them a half a game instead of a full game, you know, is, eases the pressure on the body. But... Jack Scrimshaw is 24 years old and and should be in our starting back six every week as far as I'm concerned. I think his ability to play tall, to play small, his intercept marking, his his ball use by foot, um, I don't know. I, I think it's a bit weird, Daz, to be honest. And um, I'd love to be able to ask Sam Mitchell what the thought process is um, maybe it's a directive from the strength and conditioning coaches from Peter Burge and his team, you know, just to play um, small amounts and build up his uh, ability to cope with the turf toe or whatever. I, I don't know, but um, you know, I thought he was solid. I thought I'd give him a six, um, but I want to see him start next week. I don't want to see him as a sub anymore because I think he's too important to the way that we play and the way that we structure up to just keep playing as a sub. Yeah, I think we need a turf toe expert to join us next week. So if anyone's get out get there, the pod. get him on the pod because join our spaces. Maybe, maybe that is how you manage turf toe. Maybe it's just a few minutes here and there and kind of gradually easing someone back. But it's it's very peculiar and it's been a weird year for scrimmers, unfortunately. 
It has. Moving on to number 15. And before we get on to Blake Hardwick, who I thought had a cracking game, and I want to get your thoughts on him too, Daz. Very interestingly, or maybe not interestingly at all, but um, I th- this is the first time in a long time we've had from 1 to 15 all playing in the same game. So just quirky little number stat <laughs> there. Um, means absolutely nothing, but from 1 to 15, all in the game. And then the other seven or eight, form the other numbers. Um, Blake Hardwick had 27 disposals, 21 of them kicks. He loves to take a kick in. Um, He had five turnovers, 82% disposal efficiency, and almost 500 meters gained as well. Um, Tandeming with Seamus Mitchell on Cody Waitman uh, and keeping him in his back pocket again after doing the same thing last time last year. Uh, Your thoughts on Blake Hardwick again today? Yeah, well, I mean, that says it all. The Waitman was just such a non-issue in the game, and also credit to Seamus Mitchell because it was a it was a tandem job there. But um, it just proves how good a lockdown defender Blake Hardwick is. Because yeah, Waitman is a super dangerous player, and the fact that he had no impact on the game just really speaks volumes to Hardwick's defensive work. But then also, you know, the sheer amount of meters gained. He got, obviously, taking kick-ins is, is super important to that. But, um, yeah, he's he's just another Blake Hardwick, doing Blake Hardwick, Hardwick things game. Um, really solid uh, seven and a half for me. I'm really interested to get your take on the, 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 the next one. Chad Wingard, 17 disposals, 65%. He had a behind in six score involvements. Um, and a goal assist. And a goal assist. I think there's a lot of talk online and, you know, in our WhatsApp about Chad getting dropped next week. And, you know, there's a, there's a few players knocking knocking on the door, namely Connor McDonald, Sammy Butler as well at Box Hill. So where do you think Chad's at, Danny? It's really interesting because um, I thought the bad moments of Chad's game really stood out. Um, you know, the lack of uh, accountability on Jason Johannesson. And um, and I talked about uh, JJ a little bit earlier. He punished us with his run and carry off, off halfback. He kicked a goal himself. He set up a goal or two as well. And, um, and he was Chad's direct opponent for a large portion of the game. Um, that's not good enough. And it's not good enough from any of our players, but it's definitely not good enough from a 29-year-old leader in terms of an elder statesman at the club, uh, a two-time All-Australian in his Port Adelaide days. He's got to be setting the tempo there. He's got to be setting the tone um, as a small forward doing that chasing and tackling. He's not doing that. Um, great that he got his hands on the ball a bit more this week than previous weeks. 17 disposals is good. If we can get Chad getting 17 to 20 disposals every week, that's great. He needs to kick goals. He absolutely must kick goals if he's going to have worth in this team going forward. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know if you can drop somebody after having 17 and, and eight marks. Um, but then last week, Connor McDonald had 15, 15 touches and kicked a goal and got dropped. So um, who, who the heck knows? But um, look, we're getting to a point where the small to medium forwards in our team, we're, we're building out some depth, depth, like you talked about. Connor McDonald ran through the midfield for Box Hill today, but um, at AFL, uh, probably until next year, he's going to predominantly be a high half forward. And we need to get him back into the team as quickly as we can. Um, simple as that. So um, Chad has to lift his game. I, I give him a six out of 10. Um, I didn't think he was terrible, but we need better than not terrible from, um, you know, a guy that cost us an arm and a leg to get. Yeah. It's interesting because I wonder if the, his accountability on the defensive end is due, due to a lack of trust in his body. And maybe it doesn't, I mean, Johannesson is electric. off yeah, explosive. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Chad at this point in his career with his body letting him down so often with soft tissue injuries, I don't know if he could have really done anything about that, but then no. But do you want him? Do you want him? And sorry to interrupt you, but do you want yeah, him yeah. to run with him, or do you just want him to block him and stop the run altogether? Mm. Right? Like, there's things that you can do when the umpires aren't looking, you know, to stop or check or block or harass or just make it more difficult 
for guys like Johannesson to play their natural game. Yeah, there were times where it looked like he just kind of gave up, and you know, I think that that's that's the the Chad that we don't want to see. Um, you know, conversely, his job is to, as you said, Danny, hit goals. You know, get involved in 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 you know have have score involvements, high score involvements, more goal assists. We just we just want more from him, and there's no way I can see him playing at Box Hill. I just I don't think he's ever played at Box Hill, has he? Um, Not that I can remember. Yeah, I think I think if he's going to go out of the side, it's going to be one of those dubious uh, Chad Wingard managed or rested. So yeah. um, they say I don't think they say rested, managed. Um, moving on to Luke Bruce. Um, uh, Bruce, he had uh, nine touches. He kicked three goals, one. He looked a little proppy at one stage and spent a significant portion of time on the bench as they were getting that sort of looked at. He had six score involvements and he ended up playing 90 of 121 minutes. Um, faded considerably after a fast start, Daz. Uh, he had seven of his nine touches in the first half. Uh, your thoughts on Luke Bruce? Yeah, it was a it was a great first half, and he he was he was really important um, in 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 keeping us in the game. Uh, we're just going to see games like that from Luke Bruce now, but at least he hit the scoreboard this this week. We gave him a real whack last week, and you know, I don't think his performance was up to his high standards. But you know, three goals, I think um, you know boy, that's the Luke Bruce that that we really hope to get every week and I thought his pressure was was really good too I thought his forward pressure was a lot of it went unnoticed and I thought he had a really decent game so I'm going to give him a, a seven Josh Ward uh 20 disposals 70 percent disposal efficiency three score involvements 229 meters gained six contested possessions and a clearance Josh Ward's an interesting one because I think we we just saw you know the, the high draft pick. We just we just want to see him break a game apart, but it's going along nicely. I reckon he's 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 just doing a lot of fundamental things really really well. He's got a good set of hands. He's he's using it well. What do you reckon, Danny? Yeah, he's um he's he's not setting any land speed records. He's not um he's not he's not you know blowing it anything uh, anyone away, but um. You know, we're talking about a, a kid in his second year who had some concussion issues last year, interrupted season. Uh, he play, he played predominantly like 80% of his game in the back half this week. Um, so, you know, he's not playing in his preferred position uh, all the time. Um, and he still managed to find a way to get involved in the game and have 20 disposals. He only attended seven center bounces. So, you know, it wasn't like he was there the whole time. Um, he was, he featured... Uh, spasmodically throughout so look i i think it's a it's not an incredible game by josh it's a six six and a half i think um but i'm not concerned about him in the slightest in the slightest and um and i'll actually push back on anybody that suggests that he is a worry because i think you've got to allow these guys to adjust these young players at their own rate and that it's not a one size fits all there's not one way to the top um you know I remember, and I'm so glad that Will Day is now, you know, doing what he's doing because I remember similar conversations starting halfway through last year with Will Day. Oh, you know, Will's not going to, you know, he's not going to be what we thought he was. He's regressed. He's been so poor. And it's like, just be patient with these guys, right? Like he's 19 years old or 20 years old. You know, Luke Hodge one of the greatest players to play for our football club was in and out of the Hawthorne team early doors and looked overweight and didn't have the capacity or the tank to, you know, um, make impact over the, over the length of the game. You know, we need to just have a little bit of calmness, a bit of Zen about how we assess these young players and just go, well, shit, man, if, if a guy's getting 20 touches a game in his like 20th game, He's going all right. And maybe we don't need him to be racking up Brownlow votes right now, you know, because I think one day he will. I think the fact is we live in a time where we have a second year player who's probably going to win the Brownlow 
this year in Nick Dacos. And they're one you know, in a million though. They well, I feel like they're coming through at a, a rate of knots these days. And they're, mm. they're coming out of these footy factories and these, you know, elite high schools where they're just coming in ready-made for the AFL. And there's a lot of expectation. And that sort of like five, six year development, especially with midfielders, you just people are just in way more impatient. Um, but I totally agree with you, Danny. I think Josh Ward is going to develop into into a really, really, really good, if not elite AFL player. We just got to, you know, he's just got to have continuity in the side. He'll he'll have a, a few spells, I'm sure, towards the end of the year. He'll be rested and managed. But the fact that he's continuing to 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 just to do to do his job every week and and play play really consistent footy, I think that's the main thing for Josh. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I'm moving on to Fergus Green, the former dog, uh, who had a bit of a dog of a day, to be perfectly honest, out at Marvel. Um, Just the six disposals for Ferg. He didn't hit the scoreboard. um, And just, yeah, a bit of a mare. Look, um, we're both huge Fergus Green um, uh, fanboys. Um, We, I know, I know you rate him very highly and we're more than happy to give him a pass, but um, it wasn't his best AFL performance today uh, on Sunday does. No, and I th- I, look, I think the fact that he was playing against his old side, a side that never really gave him a chance and discarded him, I think he wanted to really prove that he was, you know, he was turned his career around and and maybe that got in his head a little bit. I think to Mitch Lewis's presence, um, it's going to take a while for, for that forward line to gel and for him to, to you know, recognise when... Lewis to sort of clear out of the way in the running patterns and um, you know the the the, the different way the for, the the ball's going to come into that forward fifty. So I'm prepared to give Ferg uh, a pass for this week. I just you know it just wasn't his day. So uh, let's move on. But he's a he's a really key part of that forward line, and I'm looking forward to you know three four weeks time him gelling with Mitch Lewis and that forward line looking functional again. Tyler Brockman, um, you know, I think he did a lot of underrated and 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 and, and important things today, despite having only eleven disposals, three marks. He went at ninety one percent, which is which is always good to see. Six score involvements, one assist, but didn't really hit the scoreboard. What did you think, Danny? Yeah, I, I think this was a fairly typical young small forward game right in a game where you know not a lot of goals were kicked by the Hawks it's sometimes hard for them to have scoreboard impact I thought he again he dropped a mark or two that he should have taken uh, and he did the same thing last week and he'll get he'll get better and 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 game time and experience will make him take those marks um, as he gets older and more experienced he was also stiff not to be paid a mark or a free kick in in one um, that he absolutely took and took cleanly in the forward 50, and he should have been rewarded for it, and then he would have had a shot on goal. He was very unselfish. He didn't even get a goal assist. or di- No, he didn't get a goal assist for Luke Bruce's third goal, but he was the one that created it from the ball that hit the ground. He fed it to Ferg, who fed it to Bruce, to, who snapped the goal. Um, that's a score involvement, but... It, it, it's it, his work was the one that set up the goal in that one. So, you know, there's, I think with Brockman, there's like signs every week that he has AFL traits, just like ready to burst out of him, but it's going to take 30 to 40 games before we see it at a consistent basis. Uh, I give him a five and a half out of 10. Uh, moving on to one of the two debutants, and I saw a tweet by um, Sir Swamp, uh, the Swamp thing or whatever he is on Twitter saying, the question was asked to him, when was the last time um, that two debutants debuted in the same game and had consecutive numbers? And um, the previous one was also the Hawks. Now, I can't remember the player, so it's taking away from, um, but it was in 2021. So it wasn't too long ago, but we had Josh Weddle, number 37, and Max Ramsden, Ramsden number 38, debut against the Dogs on the weekend. Uh, Weddle had eight disposals, four and four, with five marks and five tackles, um, and competed hard. He played on Jamari Hagen. Uh, he had to play key position back, which is really interesting. I feel 
feel like it's a little bit, I'm not going to say what Sam Mitchell's done is unfair, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit rough on a first gamer who's been playing the whole sort of preseason and Box Hill game as either a third-ish tall or on a wing or through the midfield, Daz. Um, your thoughts on Weddle's game and do we think that long-term he's a backman or do we think that he'll just play where he's needed week to week? I had a really interesting conspiracy theory during that game. Go on. And when Weddle was playing on Jamar and you could see the athleticism and you could see why Sammy made that decision to to bring him in. And I I wonder if Sammy's maybe thinking about life uh, without DGB and and maybe maybe Weddle was drafted into be to be an athletic backman um, and to and to play that role. Maybe that maybe all the midfield talk was a foil. Maybe they just have their doubts around DGP. Again, conspiracy theory. And Danny will probably shoot me down for saying that, but uh, it entered my mind for a little bit and I wanted to put it out there. But I think Weddle, I've seen him a bit at Box Hill and he's 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 really well suited to to playing up on the wing, but he didn't look out of place in defense. And I didn't think Jamara really had uh, an, a huge impact, kicked a couple of goals, but he definitely made him work for it, Weddle. And he's a super athlete and you know, it was a pretty, you know, pretty decent debut, I thought. Um, didn't do anything silly, didn't do anything electric, which we know he's capable of, but a really solid debut from Josh. And he's going to be a big player for us in the future. You can almost, um, you know, put your money on it. So, you know, I'm going to give him a five and a half for that, for that pretty solid debut. And what did you think about my theory, Danny? Uh, all opinions are welcome. Um, my mum always told me if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. No, 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 no. Um, look, I, I don't. I think they want to use his pace and his power and his competitiveness and his size in and around the contest. So, um, I don't think ideally they would want. I think ideally they want Denver Granger Barras to succeed and be the key back that we hope he will be and that I still think he will be. Um, so I don't think they would want necessarily to use Weddle like that, but it's nice to know that potentially he has that option. We have that option if things don't work out, you know, to be able to put him back there. I think at 192, he's probably a little short uh, for what we want to do there, but maybe he's not bad as that second key tool. Um, if we, you know, bring in a blank or a DGB. Um, but yeah, I think, his versatility is going to be something really for us fans and the club to get excited about because I think he could pretty much play any position other than Ruck. Absolutely. And, yeah, would, would have loved to have seen him on the wing, but maybe next week I suspect he probably will go back to Box Hill, um, you know, maybe just different opposition next week. And I think Sammy just really wanted to 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 give him a, a run against one of, the, one of the best young and dynamic forwards in the league. So... Um, another debutante, uh, in, and you're full of the number stats this week, Tony. Really, really appreciate you bringing that to the table. Didn't know that was your thing. Uh, it, was, it seems like a very wheezy thing. Um, but Max Ramsden, six disposals, one mark inside 50, nine hit outs, and he, he had about 23 rock contests. Um, how did you, how did you make, um, what did you think of his debut? Yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting because uh, I have been a champion of let Max Ramson develop a box hill this year. And, um, and not because I didn't think, I don't think he's going to be a player. I actually think he has an incredibly high ceiling and I actually think he has the potential to be the perfect second ruck for what the Hawks want to do long-term. Um, there's a little bit of Luke Jackson, a little bit of Tim English about the way he moves. Um, he's very clever. You saw that with a little sort of tap down, um, which he didn't get a stat for. You saw moments of, oh, yeah, I can see this guy has the ability to be a player. You also saw moments of baby giraffe on ice, you know, uh-huh. um, and, and, and that's okay because he's a 200 centimeter guy who is clearly very raw, but has some fantastic 
attributes, AFL type attributes, you know, um, and he wants to compete and I think he'll be better for the experience. Um, I would still like to see him at Box Hill just dominating and, you know, getting time, um, you know, playing 70-30 up forward in, in the ruck, so 70% up forward, kicking bags, kicking four or five consistently and just getting the reps in because he does look like a 19, 20-year-old kid. Um, and it's very, very hard for 200-centimetre um, kids at 19, 20 years old to have an impact at AFL level unless they're built like Logan McDonald is or somebody like that, you know. And that's not Max Ramson. He's a skinny, lanky, very athletic um, ruckman, and I'm very excited about him. But I think we just need to have um, that that patience with with him because I think he'll come good, but it might not be till like he's 23. I agree. I think it was premature to put him in. It's great. It's great that he's got his debut under the under his belt, but I, I totally agree. I think he's got to just play a lot of minutes at Box Hill this year. Um, you know, the last thing you want to do is 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 kind of playing in the seniors a bit too early and get his confidence down because he's He's full of confidence playing at Box Hill. He's kicking bags. He's, you know, just being a real big, big presence and he's developing nicely. So I agree with you, Danny. I think he's got to, I think he's got to play most of the year Box Hill as great as it was to see him um, get a de- debut. Yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't rank him. I'll give him a pass. Um, it's probably only, he's only getting a pass because he was on debut. Um, if it was a senior player playing like that, uh, we'd be pretty harsh, but um yeah, my 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 main concern is I don't want the yo-yo effect for these for these young tools. Um, we've had we've had a look at what you know, being out of form and out of confidence at AFL level, being moved around positionally and being dropped and and promoted, dropped and promoted has done to Cozzy, and it's absolutely destroyed him. And I actually watched Box Hill today, and only late in the second half did we start to see. Cozzy presenting and, you know, holding marks and kicking goals and starting to look like he's finding some confidence. So there's a, there's, we just want to not make the same mistake with Max because I think he's a, an asset. I think he's a very talented young player. So um, anyway, I, Mitchell and, and, and Andy Collins and Zane Littlejohn and the team know far, far more, um, or they forget more in a day than I know about AFL football. So, um, you know, I'm not questioning their, their long-term decision-making skills in the slightest. I will finish off with um, Seamus Mitchell, number 40. He had the 11 touches, 13 pressure acts. He got subbed out in the third quarter. um, So um, didn't touch the ball in the last because he was on the bench. Um, And, was another solid uh, game by Seamus and and probably an interesting sub, Daz. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people were scratching their heads when he came off and because he looked like he had plenty left in the tank um, as opposed to a few other players who just looked absolutely gassed. So, uh, look, I'm going to give you a lot of credit, Danny, because you, you saw it with Seamus Mitchell. I thought he was gone. I thought he was going to be delisted. And club showed patience in him for a reason because... He's got elite skills. You can see it. He's delivering into the Ford 50. I think there were a few moments, um, maybe in that first quarter, there was just an absolutely beautiful pass to, to Mitch Lewis. And that, that's when you go, oh, this, this guy's a bit special. And he, and, he, and he does have, as you say, those AFL traits. And he's electric, really. I mean, he, he, the ball in hand, he, he's bursting out of... Uh, out of the back line and he's got tricks and he's he's gonna I think he's gonna be a player I really I really do and I'd love to see him keep his spot next week but I think we're we're in a phase two where it's it's there's going to be a lot of rotations a lot of experimentation but I'm just glad that he's showing that he he belongs in this team um and he's you know whether that's a best 22 player or a depth player uh, he's he's got something about him, Seamus. Um, so I'm going to give him a six and a half. Yeah, and I think Seamus has also shown that it's A, time to recontract, but B, he's probably written um, Josh Morris's name on the don't worry about recontracting <laughs> list. No offense to Josh Morris, yeah. but he's he's gone so far past him um, very quickly. 
Uh, and then when you factor in guys like Lockie Bramble and and that sort of thing as well, um, there's only so many positions you can have on a list of players that play that type of role. Uh, we've seen Bailey McDonald be drafted as well this year and have some of those attributes as well. Uh, so, you know, um, credit to Seamus Mitchell because it was make or break this year, wasn't it? It really was. Mm. But Seamus Mitchell, am I right in saying that he was drafted as a as a sort of forward, a medium forward? Uh, yeah, small forward, yep. Small um, forward, yeah. Crafty small forward who had elite skills, uh, real burst of speed and could kick a goal. So um, also played a little bit of midfield as a junior too. So, um, you know, I think being behind the ball allows players to be able to set up and see the game in front of them as opposed to have to having to have those per, that peripheral vision. So it's a good way to learn AFL footy. Um, whether he stays back there does, that's a very good question. Um, you know, we're pretty stocked with small forwards at the moment. So, you know, the competition there is pretty harsh. Like I would love to see Sam Butler in this team, but he's not. And at the moment, unless they rotate a couple of players out, I can't see him getting back in any time in the near, very near future. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough gig at the moment to get into this Hawthorne team. And that's not because we're an amazing team, but because we've got so many players at the same level fighting it out for these spots, which is a good problem to have. Oh, absolutely. And I think I spoke about it at the top of the the top of this pod, just the, you know, for a team that's sort of near the bottom of the ladder to have competition for spots, we didn't have competition for spots four years ago. So it's 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 really healthy the way that we've started starting to rebuild this list. Absolutely. Uh Dazzle, before we wrap it up, I want to get your thoughts on the coach, um, Sam Mitchell. Um, what what went right, what went wrong? Um he came out really well, I thought, against the dogs and you know pitted our new one would of contested ball um, clearances, middle midfield depth against the dogs one would and early on came out on top, but then um, whether it was just experience or whatever it was um, that sort of wrestled the game back into the dogs favor, we weren't able to compete anymore. What were your thoughts on the way Mitchell coached and um, some of the changes and um, some of the, you know, Weddle to Jamari Hagen type moves uh, that worked and didn't work? Yeah, I think that just shows that how experimental and how you know, he just doesn't think like most of us. He, 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 he's happy to swing surprises. He's happy to, to get absolutely flogged in trying something else, uh, trying something out. He's a really unique and interesting football brain and just very lucky to have him. Um, I just think that, you know, who who would have ever thought he'd bring Weddle in to, to play in Jamara? Like, just that sort of, like, 4D sort of chess moves. And I think he's um, just such a deep thinker about about football. And the, fa- the fact, too, that he's motivated these guys from going from a, a very low-pressure team to the high-pressure team that we've seen for the past three weeks and to to be as flat as they were after those really heavy losses and then to come out and put in three three performances like that where we could have been looking at, you know, two wins out of those three, I think that just shows how much he's a motivator as well as a deep thinker. So he's going along beautifully and, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't change it for the world with Sammy, I think, uh, especially when you look at how our old coach is going at North after a, a, a pretty solid start. And I, I just think Sammy is a, a modern, the perfect modern dynamic um, and, 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 and deep thinking coach. And just glad we have him. Absolutely. And I think uh, winning a number of admirers, this young Hawks team in the last sort of three or four weeks after a pretty sort of shaky and ordinary start, which led to all the tanking talk. Um, the last three weeks have been a real step in the right direction and um, in no small part because of Mitchell and the job that his coaches are doing to get them up. Like you said, to an elite pressure, pressure side who tackles, chases and harasses. And I think you, when you're a young side, you can, there are controllables and uncontrollables. Um, you know, the inexperience is uncontrollable. The intensity at the football is controllable. So um, we're, 
he's trying to get the Hawks to control what they can control, which is really, really good. Um, that's going to do it for our player review podcast for the game against the Western Bulldogs. As I mentioned, it was a 29 point loss for round seven. Um, the Hawks now fly over to WA next week to face the also struggling Fremantle Dockers. Um, it's 14th versus 17th um, next Saturday night. And it'll be a really interesting match. Daz. So just before we go, no in-depth thoughts, but I just want to get your take. This is a winnable game, right? It is. I have a sneaky feeling we'll, we'll win because I think there's a lot of pressure on Frio and we've got really, again, nothing to lose. And if we continue playing the way we've been playing against quality sides, we'll give them a run for the money because they're really, really low on confidence at the moment. And I think we do play that ground really well too. So really looking for, I'm looking forward to watching the Hawks every week now, win or lose. And the losses just are not really getting me down at all. It's just the manner that we're playing. I'm, I'm really pleased with. So look, very much looking forward to Saturday. Provided they bring in Connor McDonald, right? Oh yeah. I really, I, I missed, I missed his, having him out there there were times where i was just thought i saw the ghost of conor mcdonald um just roaming around the half forward line there and i watched the box hill game today and couldn't get out to one thaggy but uh he had an absolute day out and he i'm sure he will come back into the side next week yeah i'd be um, kind of, i'd be kind of shocked if he didn't yeah he's 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 a fave of the insiders that's for sure Absolutely. Well, thank you, Darren, so much for your input tonight. Um, thank you to everybody who listened to our Player Review podcast. We will be back on Thursday night with our Thursday night safe space, 8.30. Uh, we would love for you to all join us. The input lately from our community has been phenomenal. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for reading what we write. Our um, match report will be out in the next day or so. Um, so will this podcast. Uh, and we look forward to speaking to you on Thursday night. And for now, goodbye and we'll chat to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.